0: Welcome to Living Hope Podcasts. If you want to learn more about Living Hope in our ministries, you can find us online at livinghopecrc.ca. We hope you appreciate today's message. Uh, Right now, I invite you to open up your Bibles to both Exodus chapter 20, as well as um, Isaiah 58. So, uh, Exodus chapter 20, and Isaiah 58. Uh, This week, we're going to be continuing in our TechWise series. And one thing, um, I'm hoping that the technology is actually going to be working for me this week. That's been an extra challenge uh, here, kind of uh, ironically. Um, I just wanted to make note that next week, uh, Pastor Bill will be joining us and giving this message um, on Reformation Day And uh, that will be a bit of a break from the the TechWise series, but there will still be um, one of those uh, papers that have been handed out, uh, discussion questions, um, dealing with this new technology that was at the beginning of the Reformation, uh, mostly of the printing press and um, how that technology actually uh, led to something positive uh, this past few weeks, we've looked at technology as, as part of God's good creation, uh, so this whole idea that, that God created the world with this potential uh, for it to be unpacked, and he gave humanity that the gifting of being able to um, study it and to unpack the goodness in God's creation and this role of ourselves in stu- stewarding that well. Uh, last week, we put our, our attention towards what we're made for, that that we are made to uh, as people of love, and we express that love in heart, soul, mind, and strength and engagement with the world around us. And technology doesn't always guide us towards um, engaging with the world, with with all of ourselves. Uh, This week, we're going to turn on the other side of that, and that is the gift of rest. Uh, that we are people who are made for rest. Uh, we're going to start with a reading from Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day it is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you you. If the words looked a little bit different uh, than in your Bibles, this translation is uh, the T-N-I-V, the newer version. Now from Isaiah chapter 58, verse 13. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, And if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride in triumph in the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the 1800s, a new word was invented. And this new word was invented across different cultures and across different languages. Uh, People had this new experience of something, and they needed to have a a new word to describe that. Um, Historians, when they look at this word, they'll note that uh, this came alongside the Industrial Revolution. So it came alongside technologies coming, but also in places where there was this wealthy leisure class, this new class of people who had all this time for leisure. Uh, My question for you is, can you guess what word was invented at this time? I I can give you a couple hints. Um, It's not bliss, or euphoria, or uh, just a sense that we've finally reached perfection. This word is boredom. The word boredom doesn't show up until the 1800s. Actually, it doesn't find its way into the Webster Dictionary until uh, 1854. And and you'll find that across different cultures, whether it's French or or in German or in English, uh, a specific word for this concept of boredom wasn't coined until 1800s, in some cases, a couple decades before that. And this this wasn't because every single book before that time was riveting. Um, It wasn't because every lecture was just exciting. Um, A new word needed to be described to describe people with nothing to do. Uh, People who were boring, or at least felt boring. Entire days that were boring. That there was something different in the 1800s, where there was this collective, shared experience amongst an entire class of people, this new, wealthy, leisure class, where they felt pointless. Um, I had kind of cut this from my notes, but this is a, a picture of a person, um, and it's called the superfluous man. Um, it's just a person, uh, he's polishing his fingernails there, and, and this, this was the, it, it comes from uh, Russian literature around the 1840s and 1850s, um, where they had this trope in literature that showed up at this time, um, because there was just like this person who felt super, superfluous, um, they, they felt extra, they felt like meaningless, like they didn't have anything to contribute And it shows up at around the same time that we have this concept for boring, um, incidentally. The whole idea um, that that boredom is something, or at least the term for it, is historically recent, relatively. um, It sounds wrong to me. Uh, Because I'm a natural when it comes to being bored or getting bored. Uh, And I feel like most of us are naturals at it too. And one of the reasons why it might be so natural for us is because we are all saturated in a world that has been made easier for us. Uh, Many of us have technologies, things that we don't think of, whether it's uh, lights um, that we have that that keep, um, keep daylight throughout the day or... Um, we have machines to do laundry for us, we have fridges that that prevent us from going to the market each day, that that make things easier for us, and that prompts us towards a disengagement of sorts. In in degrees that we're not always aware of, we're not not conscious of how much easier some of these things are, um, it has removed this life-giving engagement with the world. And, And this is not to say that we have it so easy. Um, and uh, there, are, there are other people who are just very busy throughout this time. Um, and they have done this perhaps to prevent themselves from feeling this idea of boredom. Uh, we, we talked about uh, this last Sunday, that this whole idea that um, our, our devices aren't necessarily, uh, we're not fixated on them or, or addicted to them because they are so fascinating. Um, But part of the reason is that our surroundings have become boring for us. So what does boredom have to do with Sabbath? I ask somewhat um, facetiously. I I think um, a lot of people know there's a sort of connection there. Um, I think in the last 200 years, we've had to think about Sabbath differently because we are told to have a day where we are to rest, but we end up fearing boredom. We tend to take what is intended, this good and rich rest that God offers, uh, but we fill it with leisure and distractions instead. Uh, So there's this whole idea here where rest is something different from what leisure is. Um, Rest is the enjoyment that we have from our work. It comes from having done good and fruitful work and being able to enjoy it. Whereas leisure is something that comes from toil. Uh, Toil is a sense that our work can become meaningless to us. There's nothing left for us to enjoy after we've done it. And we simply just want to stop. We simply want a distraction because there's nothing meaningful for us to enjoy when we've done our toil. So for example, when I come home from work and I'm just tired and I hit the couch, it, it can be tempting just to look for distractions, and this isn't hard. Like, lucky for me, I have in my pocket this, this phone, this device that offers endless distractions. I'm on my coffee table, there could be an iPad, there could be a computer, a TV, you're just a click away, really, from having any distraction that you want. We need to understand Sabbath And Sabbath rest differently in a world that is pushed towards leisure and is afraid of being bored. We need to recognize that setting aside a day to rest carries a certain anxiety and a fear attached to it. What what are we going to do? So if leisure is simply stopping what we're doing and distracting, rest is something different It is enjoyment from the things that you have done and from the good work that you have been able to do. So how does this then match with a biblical vision of what Sabbath is and what Sabbath means? Well, let's turn first to that Isaiah 58 passage. Uh, Isaiah 58 talks about the Sabbath day. So Sabbath is, in the Jewish tradition, a full day that people would take just to set apart, to set aside from the regular work that they would do uh, to rest. And in Isaiah 58, it gives this particular reference in calling the Sabbath a delight, uh, that the person who is is following God's law, who is um, righteously pursuing God's... um, the good life that God has provided for them, that they actually delight and take joy in this Sabbath. It wasn't just about restrictions, but it was about enjoying the fullness of creation. Um, If you look into, if you have your Bibles open to Isaiah 58, you'll notice that this this is a chapter that is all about God's justice and you might be surprised to find Sabbath as the thing that just like keys it up. That's at the very end. You almost It feels like he's almost changing the subject. Right? So How is this the pinnacle of what justice is? Uh, but we find when we look at Sabbath that this is something that includes and requires justice for all people. This isn't just about laws and rules for you. And it's not just about your enjoyment of the creation around us, but it is enabling all to enjoy this as well. Uh, Let's look at this in Exodus chapter 20, which we also read. Exodus 20 says, On the Sabbath day, you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any former, foreigner residing in your towns. Uh, so, so this is a day that everyone gets to rest. Like, you, you can't just like, push the work off to the children or, or those that work for you. Um, you can't even push it down to, to the animals. You, you can't push this off to something else. It goes even to the extreme where it's, it's people that aren't even connected to you. Um, The foreigner, the the, the mention of the foreigner is a significant thing in the ancient culture because this is a person that wouldn't naturally have any rights or or any connection to you or even the the religion that you're a part of. That, That this person is also gifted this space for rest is significant. In fact, if you look just a few chapters further, so here we're in Exodus chapter 20, if you go to Exodus chapter 23, you'll find that even the land is given a Sabbath. Uh, For six years, you are to sow the fields and harvest crops, but during the seventh year, let the land lie unplowed and unused. Um, In talking about that same law in Leviticus 25, it says, do not reap what grows of the ground." Uh, of itself or harvest the grapes of your untended vines, the land is to have a year of rest. Uh, so, this, this justice, this enjoyment of all of creation is invited for the whole of creation. Sabbath rest is available for all. Um, why does it go to all of God's creation? Why isn't it just for the people that, that follow Him? Well, one of the reasons is back in Exodus chapter 20 again. this is part of the pattern of creation itself. It says here, For the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Uh, This day of rest is part of the days of creation. It's part of the fabric of the creation that is good, And it's not just like a a nap sort of day, uh, that type of rest. It is a rest that somehow mirrors God's rest. Um, And and to look at that, to to look at that fully, what does it mean for for God to rest? I think it's important for us to actually go back to that Genesis 1 story. Uh, What does it say, actually, about God's rest? Uh, We we looked at Genesis chapter 1 uh, uh, a few months back. And for those of you that were here for it, I have some images that that we used, and hopefully um, if you weren't here uh, during that series, um, these images can be helpful in just being able to think back to what this is about. Uh, So Genesis chapter 1 has a garden uh, that's made, the Garden of Eden. And the Garden of Eden is also described as a temple, and and the the forming of a temple itself. So we made this connection between this garden and this temple, and that somehow Eden was a garden temple in itself. And we talked about how you would have these temple coronation services in the ancient world. And, And the way that it would work is that you would have the foundations of the temple put together... And then you would decorate the temple with all sorts of things, usually using images of plants and, and whatnot. And the last thing that you'd do with that temple is put the image of that God in there. And on the final day, the day of the, the main coronation, is the God would come and rest in that temple. If you look at poetry around the time where, where the Bible is written, um uh, and it's talking about the temples. they use that same language of the God resting in there, the God residing in there. And, and that resting and residing, it, it's, it's kind of described as what happens when um, a, a building is being put together and uh, it's for work, and, and the, the CEO has his office there. And after that building is completed, it's been filled with all the, the machinery, everything that's needed for it to work. Uh, that final day, the CEO goes to, into his office and he resides in it. He, he operates from there. He r- rules from that space. That is the type of rest that we find in, in Genesis. So if we look at Genesis chapter 1, it is the gathering of the foundations for everything in creation. Space and time itself are, are put together. And then in the Garden of Eden, we have the filling of it with the plants and the animals. The final day, we have God placing his image in it. And then God comes to rest. He he resides in it. He comes to enjoy the fruits of what he has done. Resting here is not some divine nap. Um, God's not exhausted because he had done so much work. God was entering into his temple and residing in a place of rule, enjoying the goodness of the creation just made. Rest is about delighting in a newly made creation. Different from mere leisure. God's not escaping from the toil. God is ceasing from the work and enjoys the fruits of it. I think this, uh, this impacts our understanding of what Sabbath is if our foundation of Sabbath has to do with mirroring that rest. In one sense, it is to inhabit creation as it is meant to be. It's to step back from the things that are necessary to do and simply enjoy creation for what it was supposed to be. We are invited to stop our work and enjoy the fruits of the things that we've done. Uh, This is also a reminder that that we are created for work, that work is good for us, and it gives us meaning and identity, that we are made to engage fully with the world around us. This is one of the ways that we express our our love, Um, that that there is such thing as good and satisfying work. And and hopefully most of us know uh, something about what that means, uh, to, to, to sit back and to rest and really enjoy what we've done. And this doesn't have to be when I'm talking about work. It's not just the things that we are paid for uh, that that we get to enjoy. Um, I've had this with with sports or, or with uh, playing guitar. Um, I guess specifically for guitar, um, I I have this one song that I just love to play on it, and I didn't learn that much. I, I learned guitar like 15 years ago. I've learned the chords. And I really enjoyed, like, the picking uh, different songs, and I thought, I'm going to learn all sorts of them, but I'll start with this one. And I spent hours and hours on it. I worked hard on it, and I didn't really learn after it. Um, But that meant that I had this one that I could just delight in, that I could enjoy the the fruits of the work that I had, uh, much to the dismay of my housemates for a couple of years We were created for that that kind of rest and the enjoyment of the things that we have worked into, the enjoyment of the fruits of the things we've done, Um, something more than just distractions, something more than just um, enjoying the fruits of other people's creativity. Um, As image bearers, we are invited to the creative enjoyment of God's world. So my invitation for you is, is what if we looked at Sabbath a little bit more like this? A day where we set aside the things that we do for a living, the things that we do for purpose, and simply enjoy, plan to enjoy the things that we do. There's, of course, things that we will need to continue. Dishes still need to get done, food still needs to be prepared, but that there's a significant disruption in our routine that we plan towards the enjoyment of God's goodness. The good news about rest is that it is something that, that we can recover. We can go out and play in the world. We can go for walks. We can play music. We can have a meal with family. We can invite friends over. Sabbath is a day where we intentionally plan for joy. If you want some more um, information on that or if you want to engage with that conversation more, you're invited to check out last week's uh, video uh, as it has some of that distinction between toil and work and leisure and rest uh, that I I just find helpful and what it means to really rest today in a day that is so much built around technology. Our big question, um, a line that stood out to me from that uh, was Never in human history have we had more leisure, but also so little rest. And our challenge is, how do we recover rest? I like how the Heidelberg Catechism talks about Sabbath. The Heidelberg Catechism is a 450-year-old document, and it teaches about the essentials of the Christian faith. And at part of it, near the end, it talks about the Ten Commandments, and it goes into this fourth commandment on rest. And the first thing it says, so it divides it into two different sections, the first thing is that this day of Sabbath is meant as a time where we can learn about God, we can gather as the the community of believers, and just take this joy in getting to know who God is and when we learn about who God is, our natural response should be that kind of that same response that Isaiah has in Isaiah chapter 6, he just responds in holy, 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 or as we just sang earlier today that the Revelation song, a uh, picture of God's presence being ushered before it. We respond in praise. And, and I think singing is an appropriate thing to do in a tech-wise group because uh, this is an activity that engages us heart, soul, mind, and strength. We, we engage our full selves um, when we are in singing. We also listen to God's word, what the Spirit may be speaking. Uh, the, the, these are activities. What we do on Sunday mornings ought to direct us towards joyful rest, ought to center us in on the one who gives us joy and life. Uh, Jesus mentions that that Sabbath, was made for humanity, not humanity for Sabbath. Uh, You'll find that in Mark chapter 2, that Sabbath is this gift for humanity, a gift for us to enter into the joy that we were created for, that we were made for this kind of rest. Uh, The Heidelberg Catechism uh, begins with this reminder that we learn about who God is on this day, Uh, But then there's a second note that that some might find uh, surprising. It talks about an eternal Sabbath. And I invite you to read this uh, response with me. I'll read the question. If you just read what is in orange there What is God's will for you in the fourth commandment? That every day of my life I rest from my evil ways, let the Lord work in me through his Spirit. And so begin this life, the eternal Sabbath. So the Sabbath here is described as a resting from evil and the enjoyment of the presence of God that we long for in all of eternity. The eternal Sabbath directs us also towards this vision of the new creation where where we can forever rest in God's presence to enjoy God's presence. Uh, This this is a Christian understanding, uh, the Christian translation of this fourth commandment here. Uh, It's no longer a mandate that that we have to, um, every uh, Sabbath day, uh, observe, but this pattern that we recognize of something that brings us life. Under the new covenant, there is freedom In following the Sabbath, but there's also a call towards the hope and delight of God. The eternal Sabbath is something that we're invited to uh, because centrally what Jesus has done. um, I I mentioned that in in the Heidelberg Catechism, uh, this comes at the the final section uh, of the catechism, and that's because um, it's ordered in a very particular way. Uh, So the catechism begins in a section on misery, essentially letting us know what our condition is without God. And I think we can just see that, just looking at the world around us. There is misery, there is separation, there is this desperate need that we have for God to be working in our lives. The part that we might expect to find the Ten Commandments is the next one. Uh, The next section is called Deliverance. Um, often we look at something like the Ten Commandments, the, the laws that, that are laid out there, and we think, okay, this is how we are delivered. Uh, we need to follow these things properly. Um, but that's not what you find in the catechism. You actually find deliverance is centered solely and squarely on the person of Jesus, how God had sent his son to deliver us from that sin, from that alienation And the part where we find the Ten Commandments is in this final section on gratitude. Gratitude is once we have sufficiently dwelled in what Christ has done, we respond in this grateful joy of the gift of salvation. It is because of what Jesus has done, the rescue that he brings, and through the work of the Holy Spirit that we are empowered to resist evil. Uh, Just to go back to this line, I like the way that it's worded. We let the Lord work in us through his Spirit. And through the Spirit's work in us, we begin filling our days with the sort of rest that we will enjoy for all of eternity a rest that points back to to the world operating as it should be. Uh, So to to summarize, uh, through the work of the Holy Spirit, We are able to enter into a rest, a rest that that moves from evil and pushes us towards this joyful Sabbath that was written into all of creation, just written into the fabric of creation itself. But this has some unique challenges today. This has some unique challenges in the last 200 years in a world that has coined this term of boredom. Because the world pushes back against boredom with distractions, with fears and anxieties. In a world that prefers the ease of disengagement rather than intentionally engaging rest, we're called to live and and to root ourselves in God's joy. So let me close with just Um, two reflections of of really practically what what can this look like um, to enter into rest. Uh, First is just an extra note that our devices don't need rest. I mentioned this earlier on. Uh, We're surrounded by things that can endlessly demand our attention. Uh, Our our technology can trick us with lights on. We can forget that there is a nighttime and work every hour of the day. Uh, my phone never tires from sending me notifications or requesting me to play a game on an app. It doesn't care what time it is. Scrolling through a news feed, there's, there's always something available. But, but unlike my phone and, and unlike the lights, um, I need sleep. I I need rest. Uh, one suggestion that uh, TechWise book offers um, is that our phones go to bed before we do. Uh, this is advice that considers uh, from the, the polling of over 1,000 different families that 70% of people go to sleep uh, with these things that demand our attention right next to us. So one solution that they offer is... Finding a distancing, a way to rest from our devices, having our phones maybe not in our rooms. Um, That might not be for everyone, um, but a suggestion that is given. Uh, What does rest look like for you? Uh, Another suggestion that they have on on the same lines of that is um, turning off devices an, an hour a day, a day a week, and a week a year. An hour a day, a day a week, and a week a year. Um, maybe that sounds like too much or it's too hard, but I think something to consider. Um, I think uh, my phone is great, I'm not getting rid of it, uh, but I need to know its place. Uh, how can it be harmful to me? Uh, how can it be harmful to my, my spiritual life as well as, as uh, physical and, and mental? How can it pull me from the rest and the sleep that I am made for? We are made for rhythms of rest. Uh, Second, and and lastly, if we have the wrong vision of Sabbath, uh, the eternal Sabbath uh, can sound like a bit of a nightmare, Uh, just the sentencing that we have towards boredom and towards rules. But the, the vision of Sabbath is bigger than that. Our vision of what true rest is bigger. It's a rejection of the evil mentalities that we find around us and within ourselves things that distance us from God, and it is a call towards that delight in creation. Uh, so one way that we can recover this is actually, it's a little counterintuitive, it's an invitation into boredom. Uh, hear me out. Um, we need to not be afraid of boredom, as, at least as much as we are. If we refuse to distract ourselves and actually move into boredom, the hope is that we move through it and into something else. You'll discover that there's something on the other side. That in those times where we don't have anything to do, that those uh, those moments might actually prompt us into creativity and following different pathways and discovering things that are actually good for us. Things that we uh, get life from you might find yourself asking new questions and having new curiosities. Uh, but this is hard in a world where our distractions are so close at hand. It's, it's so easy. that The first pang of boredom just turned towards a, a device. But when we push through it, um, the hope is that we can find something like creativity, an invitation to think of, of what you can do. So, The last challenge here is, are you willing to confront boredom and see what's on the other side? Are we ready to do um, planning into Sabbath, to to plan a day for joy, uh, starting in the joy of the worship of our God? What sort of witnesses would we be, witnesses to the truth and God's salvation if we were able to live into this well. Let's turn to God in prayer. Dear Lord, thank you that you made us for rest, uh, that we do not need to be in control of all things all the time, but that we can set things into your hands. Thank you for a rest that, that points us towards enjoyment of the world, that you modeled this rest for us after creating the world and declared it to be good, to be very good. Through the work of the Spirit, may we resist evil and every day catch a glimpse of the rest that you made us for, preparing ourselves for the eternal enjoyment of the new creation. Give us rhythms in our week where we can enter into this more fully rehearsing the joy of the new creation in the present. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged in the message and through the work of the Spirit. Once again, if you want to learn more about Living Hope, you can find us online at livinghopecrc.ca.